Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. So, uh, today I want to talk to you about how to break a curse and how to receive a blessing. How to break a curse, how to receive a blessing. Now, both in Greek and Hebrew, uh, curse means to doom, to make light of, to devote to destruction, to bind or to bring low. Now, in Western culture today, we do not even really think about curses, but they're very, very real. Let me remind you, you just get to Genesis chapter 3, and there is a curse on the ground. There's a curse that comes on Eve, her descendants, where her pain will be greatly increased in childbearing. And and Becca, I know you're here. You're due today. Sorry to have to say that. Um, the, 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 The Old Testament, the last phrase in the last verse is, at least I strike the earth with a curse, right? Uh, you go to the book of Revelation, the last chapter, two of the last four verses are a curse. Curses are very, very real. Right? The Bible tells us in Galatians 3 and 13, and we're going to end with this, but it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Right? So, so curses are very, very real. We, we tend to want blessings, but not curses, but both are real. Right? Now, very often... Curses are generational. Right? Um, they can look, you say, what does it look like? There's a lot of different ways that it can look, but some of those that are generational tend to look like this family destruction, divorce, poverty, fear, failure, dread, addictions, um, alcohol, drugs, sin patterns, uh, domestic violence, sloth, child abuse, sexual abuse are all things that can literally pass generationally, right? Now, the book of, of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, has over 50 verses of nothing but a curse that comes as a result of breaking the law, right? So curses can come because of our, our behavior. Kind of look at it like this. A curse is basically, it's a penalty, right? If you get in your car today Get on 131, go north or south, I don't care which direction, for the next two hours, drive at 100 miles an hour. How many of you know there will be a penalty? There, there's going to be a penalty because you broke the law. Right? Some curses come as a result of breaking a law. Right? Others literally pass generationally. Let me give you an example of this. In Exodus chapter 20, it says, uh, when I was actually brought up in a church where we read this ch- part of this chapter every single Sunday. You know, it's the Ten Commandments. And the first commandment, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, God says he visits the iniquities. Now, the, the word iniquity means to be bent, to have a proclivity towards. In other words, every one of us, there's not a person here that this is not true about, right? Listen, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who has iniquity? Everybody say all. The iniquity of us all. But it says that iniquities are visited to the third and fourth generation. So you'll have a proclivity. You'll be bent in a certain way. 
You might be bent towards addiction. You might be bent towards sexual sin. You might be bent towards depression. But you'll have a bent in your life towards a certain sin. Now, when, when I grew up, um, my, my dad had a tremendous temper. Right? And, you, you know, as kids, things can be a little bit out of whack. You can think things are out of whack. But what I remember was he would get mad and just he wouldn't say a word. I mean, I'd just be doing something and he would just haul off and whack me and whack me. I remember being around him and he would move and I would just start to jump. Right? He just had a tremendous temper. And do you know what I had when, you know, when, when I was growing up, and in fact, until even after I got saved, you know what I had to fight constantly? Temper. Temper. Out of control temper. All right? Jeannie told me that I've done, oh. I'm going to help her. She's going to help me preach this morning. I'm going to help her. <laughs> I just want to clarify this because after the other service, and he mentioned, you know, I never heard that before. We've been married 40 years, and I didn't know his dad had a temper for I never got to know his dad. So um, it was news to me, and I thought, you know what? I do not remember. I only remember one time when I saw the, a temper. So I wanted you to know that God, well, let me tell you the time, because now you're all like, what was it? What was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, when he's, he was on the phone, you know, the old kind when you had to be fastened to the wall. And he was on the phone, and the, the boys were making a ruckus, and he he suddenly turned into a different creature <laughs> and threw a pin like a dart. I just prayed it wouldn't hit him, and they survived. But, um, you know, but that was the only time I ever saw a temper. So God really was at work in him. And I just wanted you to know that, oh, yeah, you can't use that as an excuse, <laughs> that Dwayne had a temper and he's had to deal with it and go home and think, wow, what, do, what does Jeannie put up with at home because he's still dealing with a temper. God gave him the victory. I mean, he's been amazing. And trust me, I have tried his patience. <laughs> Given him a chance. God is good. All right. But a, listen, a curse is a negative spiritual force against a person, a family, a place, or a thing. It's in Proverbs 26 in verse 2. It says, so a curse without a cause does not alight or does not come. I think you've all, all of us have had this. We're, we're in a house, we're in a room, and all of a sudden we sense a draft. Right? You sense that current's going by. Well, what it means is there's a door open or there's a window open someplace, something's open, right? And that's why that draft is there. Now, whenever there's a curse, there is a reason for that curse to be there, right? Now, curses can come, again, on places. They can come on families, people. They can even come on an entire nation. They can come on a, on a city. Uh, it's in Ephesians chapter 6 where it says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, one of the greatest revivals of the 20th century took place and is still taking place in Seoul, Korea. Right? There's a dozen churches in Seoul, Korea, over 100,000 members. The largest church in the world with over a million members is in Seoul, Korea, Dr. Cho's church. And when Dr. Cho was asked, why is there such a revival in Seoul, Korea and in, in South Korea? This is what he said. He said, prayer mountain. Now, the church 
bought a mountain outside of Seoul, Korea, and they put in like little cubicles all over the place. On a typical Friday or Saturday night, there will be over 6,000 people that spend the entire night in prayer and have been doing it for decades and decades and decades. Every day, hundreds and thousands of people show up and pray. And he said, we have broken the control of the dominating spirit over our city and over our nation. And that's why we have such revival here, right? Now you go to a city, often you can even tell the spirit that's in control of that city. I mean, you know, you go to Hollywood, LA, you know what spirit's out there? It doesn't take long to figure it out, right? You, you go to New York City and it doesn't take long before you realize that it is a spirit of greed that is dominant inside the city of New York, right? Uh, it's, I think it's interesting that in the past, churches, particularly churches that was built in the 1950s and before, almost all had steeples, right? I've had people ask, why don't we have a steeple on our church? Well, the reason they put steeples on churches, listen, was not to put a bell in. The reason that steeples were originally put on churches so that the church would be the tallest building in the city because it was believed that the tallest building in the city represented the spirit that had control over the city. Right? It, in Europe, a few hundred years ago, in many places they had laws that no building could be built taller than the church steeple because they wanted the church to have dominion. You go to the Middle East and most mosques have a minaret that sticks up way up high. It's the same concept. All right, where it's going to be high and above in every place that it, it is, can, you can be seen from there, that is under its dominion. I think it's interesting that the tallest buildings today in America are usually banks and insurance companies. Right? How many know they're the most powerful corporations? You know? And that's not bad, it's just they don't make a good God, that's all. all right? they, don't, they don't qualify to be Lord. Right? So a curse often comes as a result of judgment. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 28, that's exactly what we see, over 50 verses. If you break the law, here's the curses that can come. Now, we just read about how an iniquity can be inherited, third and fourth generation. Here's the rest of it, all right? But showing mercy to thousands, or literally to a thousand generations, to those that love me and keep my commandment. So an iniquity can go three or four generations. But a blessing can go how far? A thousand generations, right? So the blessing is so much more powerful than what the curse is, right? Than what the iniquity is. Now, when we built this building, we, we took out a loan, the church did, and the bank insisted that they take a key man insurance policy out on me so that if I died, the church would receive several million dollars. So I'm probably, I'm, in fact, I know I'm worth much more dead than alive, all right? <laughs> so as a result of that, the insurance company sends a, a, a doctor and uh, occasionally they'll, they'll send like a, a medical assistant of some kind. But every year they come and they take like half of my blood, all right? They do an EKG and, and I don't know why, but they ask the same questions every single year, all right? Is your dad alive? How old was he when he died? What did he die of? Is your mother alive? Okay. Is she suffered from any diseases? Your uncles and your aunts. 
All right? Do they, have they suffered from any diseases? Your sisters, I got two sisters, are they still alive? Yes. Are they suffering from any diseases? Now, here's what they realize. That very often when a sickness or a disease is in the family, right, it passes generationally. Right? Medical science recognizes that. But let me just tell you something. The same thing is true spiritually. Right? Spiritual things pass from generation to generation. Now, we don't understand it in part simply because we don't think generationally. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But listen to 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which was first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. That faith right there started in grandma, was in mother, and now he said it's in you, right? Right there we see three generations, right? So some blessings pass generationally, sometimes curses pass generationally. Deuteronomy 28, we see the penalty of disobedience brings a curse. And it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, the statutes which I command you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed will you be in the city, cursed will you be in the country, cursed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. That has to do with your finances and your business. Cursed will be the fruit of your body, the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall be you when you go in. Cursed shall you be when you go out. Malachi 3, you've robbed me. You're cursed with a curse because you've robbed me, even the whole nation. Malachi 3, verse 9. And you, you'll look down and you see what happens. The enemy comes in, the devil, he comes in to steal, to kill and to destroy as a result of the curse, right? Now, what we want is we just want the blessing, right? But both are real. The curse is real. The blessing is real. Now, let me just say this about the blessing. God does not give you a bless, right? He gives you blessings, right? Blessing is like, they're like grapes, right? You don't find a cluster of one grape, right? And when blessing comes... It comes like grapes. They come in clusters. It's always blessings. Blessing, right? It's like you're fishing. It's not like you just throw it in one time, right? You're ing, right? God is blessing, right? Now, it doesn't mean, somebody said, well, there's a curse. What does that mean? Does that mean God doesn't love me? No. The curse is there to show you that you're, you're disobedient, to show you you need to repent and come to God. The law was given as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to show us we need a Savior, so, they, curses can pass generationally. Curses can come because of disobedience, all right? And thirdly, curses can come because of opposition to Abraham's seed, all right? Now, I'm just going to give you one verse on this, but there's, there's many verses. I'm going to take you to Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And I want to remind you that these two verses are the two most important verses in the entire Old Testament. And without understanding these two verses, you really do not even understand God's plan for the end time. Right? Now, here's what God said. He said, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, now I want you to notice who's going to be blessed, all of the 
families of the earth are going to be blessed, all right? Because God thinks in terms of families or in terms of generations. But notice he said, I will curse those who curse you. You can bring a curse on yourself by opposing Israel and opposing the Jewish people. I don't know if you've noticed this, but all hate groups hate Jews. I mean, they may have somebody else that they hate, but they all hate Jews. And you say, why is that? It's true because they are demonically motivated. God has made promises to the Jewish people and to the nation of Israel. And God is going to keep those promises. And the devil believes that if he can stop the Jewish people, particularly eliminate the Jewish people and the nation of Israel, he can keep God from fulfilling his promises. All right? So what has he done? Well, way back with Pharaoh, he had all the baby boys thrown into the river. We have Haman who tries to, com- tries to commit an entire genocide of the, Je- of the Jewish people. Only 70 years ago, we had Adolf Hitler trying to have a genocide of the Jewish people. Kill over 6 million Jewish people. All right? Why? Because they're demonically motivated. Why? The devil hates the Jewish people because God has promises to the Jewish people that he is fulfilling and is going to continue to fulfill. Now, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. Now listen, Abraham has two seeds, two types of seeds. God said to Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars of the sky and like the sand of the sea. The stars of the sky represent his spiritual children. The sand of the sea represents his natural children. But if you oppose Israel and oppose the Jewish people, you bring a curse on yourself. So listen, and it's true individually, it's true about a nation. That's why, listen, we vote for people that stand with Israel. That's what we do. We vote for people that stand with Israel. You're saying you're being political. This is not a political issue. This is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. We stand with Israel. We love Israel. We stand with Israel. But there's a spiritual seed and there's a natural seed. Uh, That's why I I think it is so, so very, very dangerous when Christians criticize and come against other Christians. This is what I say. Never, never criticize what God is blessing. Now, now, maybe somebody's got a different revelation than you, has a different slant than you. That's all right, all right? But don't ever criticize what God is blessing, right? And, and just as an example, you know, I, I've talked with people, and they're just bad at Joel Osteen, all right? All right? Now, let me just tell you about Joel. Joel loves you, and you're going to make it, and God's going to help you. Now, listen. Don't go criticizing. How many know God, God has used Joel to bless a lot of people? So don't go criticizing Joel. And don't criticize somebody else because maybe they have a revelation that you don't have or see something different than, than the way you see it. You know, pray for them. Just pray for them. Don't attack them. When Jeannie and I were, were missionaries in Mexico, we lived two years. I was 24 years old. We moved out to an Indian village. And we worked with a man named Benancio Hernandez. When we moved there, Wycliffe Bible translators had given him credit personally, he and his wife, for winning 250,000 Otomi Indians to the Lord. 
He had started so many churches, you, just, you could not count them. All right? And we went and we worked with him. But before we had gotten there, there were three men who were really trying to get influence in his network of churches. And uh, they maligned him. And uh, they were saying some things about him that were not true. And it was really interesting because he talked to me about it. And he says, you know, I didn't do anything. I just prayed. I just prayed. He said, all three were dead in four months. And they didn't die of old age. Now, one of them just dropped dead. Another one fell off a horse and was killed. And I don't remember exactly what happened to the third guy. But all three were dead in three months. Right? Uh, yeah, you know, I, would, I would never want to criticize what God is blessing. Right? Because that, that, that curse to Abraham's seed, there's a spiritual side. There is a natural side. And both right, carry a blessing, both carry a curse. Now, let me just say this. We're, you never try to throw a curse or give a, put a curse on somebody. Now, years ago, we had a, we were, our, this church was meeting over on 44th Street in a green pole barn. And then some of you remember the pole barn days. All right? They were great. Right? But <clears throat> one Sunday morning, we had... It was four, yeah, four sets of pews, okay? And the set over here, about six rows back or so, there was this guy, and I noticed him during worship because he was acting strange, all right? He was kind of going like this. And he's talking the whole time, you know, making noise. He wasn't worshiping. He wasn't going along with the song. But I just figured, ah, who knows? You know, because you realize this, that some Christians, they're like granola Christians, you say, what do you mean? They're made, granola is made up of fruits, nuts, and flakes. And, and there's a few of them around that qualify. In fact, uh, at that time, I had, there was this one woman who told me that she was weaving a glory cloud. I thought, oh, who knows? You know? I mean, I didn't think she was, but I thought, who knows what this guy's up to, you know? So we didn't really, nobody did anything. And, and then it came time I started preaching. Well, he sat down, but nothing else changed, all right? He kept on talking loud during the entire sermon, and during the whole thing, he's making noise, and he'd go, you know, like he was throwing a snowball or a basketball at me. And every time I'm quiet for even a second, everybody looks at him, because he's talking the whole time and doing this thing. And so I've got to talk really fast. I can't be quiet for even a second, because if I'm quiet for every second, everybody notices that this guy's doing over here, and they're listening to this guy instead of me. So during the whole sermon, I'm talking really fast, I'm not quiet for even a second. When it came time for the altar call, when an altar call, I had to go really fast, too. I couldn't even give a two people time to pray. I said, you need to repent. Jesus wants to come into your heart. He wants to forgive you your sin. The blood of Jesus is going to forgive you today. Now, I'm going to pump to three, and when I say three, you're going to lift your hand. We're going to pray together. God's going to meet you right here in this place. I want you to come forward. I'm talking like this the whole time because I can't be quiet because this guy over here is constantly not talking, and he's constantly going like this and throwing stuff happening in the spirit and I didn't know what was going on I thought why doesn't somebody go over there and talk to that guy why doesn't somebody haul that guy out of service somebody needs to do something because I got to talk really fast all the time because everybody's listening to him instead of listening to me and then you listen to me and not to him all right so full service so when it's done a couple of the elders or deacons I don't remember who went over and talked to him we find out he is a satanist all right and he's trying to cast spells on me during the whole service and they said what are we going to do and I said nothing I said, I don't care what he's trying to do. None of it is going to take. None of it's going to take. Now, I'm going to give you some scripture. All right. The children of Israel have come out of Egypt. They're coming to the land of Moab. Balak is king. 
he calls for a prophet named Balaam. And this is what he says. I want you to come and curse this people that's come out of Egypt. Because I know that whoever you bless is blessed. And whoever you curse is cursed. So Balaam ultimately arrives. And this is what he says. He says, there is no sorcery against Jacob. And there is no divination against Israel. Let me just tell you what he said. There is no curse that anybody can put on you when you are under the blood of Jesus because it cannot take. It cannot take. All right? So real quick, because curses are real, but don't worry about somebody putting one on you because you're under the blood. All right? There are two very, very important things when it comes to breaking curses. All right? If they come generationally, if they come because of disobedience, if they come because of our opposition to Israel or the Jewish people, number one is repentance. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Now, we confess our sins. Now, not just our sins, but we confess the sins of our nation. Because there can be a curse on a nation. We confess the sins of our parents. You say, why would we do that? Well, Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 is praying that God will take the Jewish people that are in captivity and bring them back to Jerusalem. And it's interesting. He doesn't just confess his sins. He confesses the sins of the nation before God. When Nehemiah is praying, right? He's, he's been fasting and praying, and, and literally, he's been praying about this issue for four months at this point. He says, God, be attentive to my prayer. He says, for the children of Israel, your servants, and we confess the sins of the children of Israel, which they have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. All right? He, he confesses the sins of his parents. He confesses his sins and the sins of his nation. All right? When a sin is generational, it needs to be confessed generationally, right? When a, a nation sins, we need to confess the sins of our nation. When it's a personal sin, we personally confess that sin. Now, remember that God thinks generationally. That's how God thinks. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, I'm going to bring your descendants out of Egypt in the fourth generation. When Jesus talked about his return, he said, this generation will not pass away until all of these things come to pass. Right? In Matthew chapter 1, it says, So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the captivity of Babylon are 14 generations. From the captivity of Babylon to Christ are 14 generations. Now, we tend to think in terms of days and months and years. Right? We look at the moon, we look at, at, at the sun, and we look at stellar movement, and we have our calendar. But God does not think like that. Right? God thinks generationally. He said it's 14 generations and 14 generations and 14 generations, and this generation will not pass away. And in the fourth generation, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring your people out. God thinks generationally. God divides time by generation. It's a system not based on the sun or the moon. It's a system based on people, all right? 14 generations from Abraham to David, 800 years. From David to the captivity, 450 years. From the captivity to Christ, 580 years. God wasn't thinking in terms of years. He's thinking in terms of generations. Right? God says, my blessing will go to a thousand generations. 
Now, you and I live in the most individualistic society the world has ever seen, and we don't think generationally, right? But God does. And spiritual blessing and spiritual curse comes generationally, right? We need to change the way that we think. Lamentations 5. Our fathers sinned and are no more, but we bear their iniquity. They did it, but we've got the, we've got the results. We've got the results. All right. So first of all is repentance. Now, secondly, Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Now, he redeemed us from the curse of the law, from the penalty of the law. Now, Habakkuk 2.4 says the just shall live by faith. But concerning the law, it says those who do these things shall live by them. So you can live by rules and regulations, or you can live by faith. But if you live under the law and you break the law, there is the curse of the law. And Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, the curse of the law in its fullest extent is found in Deuteronomy 28. And we aren't going to go through the whole thing. I'm just going to give you a few things that are in the curse. All right. Vexation, rashes, seizures, confusion, panic, dysentery, pestilence that cleaves to you from which you cannot be healed, consumption, cancer, fever, infections, hemorrhoids, incurable diseases, uh, an itch from which you cannot be cured, senility, insanity, blindness, fear, panic, tumors, ulcers. All right. Part of the curse is you will not be able to be successful in life. Boils from head to foot, malignant sores, perpetual plagues on you and your children. And listen to this. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book. Right. So part of the curse of law is every sickness and every plague in the book. And the other part is every sickness and every plague that's not in the book. So if you've got all of them that are not in the book and all of them that are in the book, I mean, that's all of them, right? That's all of them. Along with just a few of those other things that we read, because there's a whole bunch more, right? It says, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, having become a curse for you. Now, how did he redeem you? Second Peter chapter one. You were redeemed, not with corruptible things like silver or gold, from the vain conversation, literally lifestyle, received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's how you were redeemed. How is the curse broken? It's broken by the blood of Jesus. That's how it's broken. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that we've come to Mount Zion to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. And it says, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And you, you may not know this. The first two people that were ever born, Cain and Abel, Cain killed Abel. And when he killed him, he buried him. And this is what God said. He said, his blood cries out to me from the ground. And God punished him and put a curse on him because his blood demanded a curse, right? But Jesus' blood 
Jesus took his blood, the book of Hebrews says, and took it into heaven. And God has a tabernacle in heaven. Moses made a copy of it, it says. And Jesus took that blood and he put it and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat in heaven. And that blood is speaking. And it does not demand a curse. That blood says, Father, have mercy on them. Father, forgive them. Father, bless them. It doesn't demand a curse. It demands, it's crying out right now for a blessing for you and for me. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith. Now, Romans 3, verse 25, listen carefully. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Again, So Jesus is a propitiation. And again, that, that if, if you don't go to church, you will probably not even know what a propitiation is. You go to church, you don't know what a propitiation is. You know, it's not like you go to Myers and say, where's the propitiation aisle? Right? Other translations say sacrifice right? or mercy seat. Whom God has set forth to be a sacrifice, listen, through faith in his blood. How do you break a curse? First, you repent. And secondly, you realize Jesus redeemed you from the curse by his blood. His blood broke the power of the curse off your life. And if that curse is there, you need to put your faith in the blood and you need to speak to that curse. First you repent and then you speak to it. You speak to that curse. And we're going to talk in, a, in two weeks, we're going to talk about how you receive a blessing and how so often a blessing comes as a result of speech. God says, you shall bless them and you shall say. All right? All right? You say for a blessing. All right? You speak it. But the same thing, you need to speak to that curse. And you say, by the power of the blood of Jesus, I have faith in that blood that it redeemed me and I break that curse in Jesus' name. I don't know what curse it is, but you, you can go through Deuteronomy 28. You can find a whole bunch of them. Right? You find it, it's trespassing because you've been redeemed. Jesus' blood paid for that thing to be broken off your life. Right? So again, how do you break that curse? Repentance. And then you speak with faith in his blood. Because it is through faith in his blood. You, you, you realize generational, generational curses, they pass down through the bloodline. But it is Jesus' blood that breaks that generational curse. It's Jesus' blood that redeems you from the penalty of being guilty under the law. Romans 3.20, let me close with this, says that no one has ever been made right with God by obeying the law. Think about that. That's how most of it, we, we want to earn our salvation. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what good thing must I do to be saved, to have eternal life? He wanted to earn it. But let me just tell you, you can't earn it. It's a gift through faith in his blood, that his blood paid for your sin and my sin, that his blood paid for every curse to be broken off your life. Would you please bow your heads? You're here. You're not right with God. You're away from the Lord. One point in your life you lived for God. You've drifted away. Or you know I'm far from God. I'm not right. And today you want to get right. 
I want you to listen very carefully. I'm going to count to three in a moment. When I say three, I want you to lift, please lift your hand. We're going to pray together. And God's going to meet you right here in this place. He's going to wash you in that blood. You're going to leave this place forgiven, right with God, on your way to heaven. And again, here's what you need to know. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. All of your efforts will never make you right with God. All of my efforts will never make me right with God. There's just one way, and that is through Jesus. And as you lift your hand today, the first thing you're saying is this. You're saying, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And I know there's just one Savior, and I'm coming to Him to be saved. One. Secondly, as you lift your hand, you're saying, God, I'm turning my back on my old life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. Two. Now get ready. For some of you, you are one decision away from a new life. When you lift your hand, you're saying, today, I'm coming to Jesus to be saved, and I'm receiving him as my Lord and Savior. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. He's going to make me a new person on the inside. I'm going to be a part of your family on my way to heaven. Three, lift that hand up. Say, pray with me. Thank you. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Up in the balcony. We say, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Include me, Pastor. Thank you. Anybody else? Lift it high. All right. Would everybody please stand? Now, if you lifted your hand, would you please look right at me? Right? Would you move to the aisle that's nearest you? Grab whatever you brought. Grab the person next to you that you came with and bring them with you. But make your way right down here. God is going to meet us right here. We're going to pray in just a moment. When we say amen, your past, it is going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. Come on down. This is your day. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. If you're in the balcony, just make your way down. We'll wait for you. you come on down. Awesome most important decision you can ever make. Your life will not be the same. He's going to make you a new person on the inside. Now, Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Anyone coming? Coming? All right. There's a few coming down from the balcony yet. Wonderful. All right. I remember 42 years ago. I know that look, you can't tell I was only like one. All right. But I remember 42 years ago, I did the exact same thing that you're doing right now. And they opened the Bible to Romans 10, verse 13. This is what it says. It says, whosoever, that means you, all right? This will work for you. The devil always tells you, you it's not for you. You did this, you did that, you did the next thing. No, this is for you. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. And we're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is God's promise to you. Will be saved. When we say amen, you are going to be forgiven. Your past is going to be gone. Right? You're going to be right with God. Right? You're going to be a child of God. He's going to make you a new person on the inside. Awesome. God bless. All right. Everybody, would you bow your head, take one hand, put it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven, and let's pray together. Everybody that's come forward, just say, 
Oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe that he rose again. And I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I thank you you're coming into my heart. You're going to blood wash me from my sin. You're going to make me a new person on the inside. A part of your family on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Wow. Great. Now, you just took a step into the kingdom of God. And we want to help you as you keep on living in the kingdom. Right? So here's what we would like to do. We'd like you to go with our prayer partners right here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get your name, and I'm going to pray for you every day for the next month. Right? We're going to give you a book that's going to help you keep on growing and walking with Jesus. It's going to take just a minute of your time. Would you follow our prayer partners right there? Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.